Hi, I'm Michael Etchens from In Excess. Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexos Access All Areas, episode one twenty-five. Yes, Hayden, one twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, B. You're laughing at my intro. That's okay. We're going to roll with it. But uh, this is the podcast, B, that does dive deep into all things in excess, gets them into the Hall of Fame, does it with a bunch of loyal patrons and listeners, and I do it with one of my good friends in B. Hello. How are you? Laughing in my intro there. Yeah. Sorry. I I smashed my phone against the the microphone, so I'm sorry about that. Perhaps. But hey, hey, you know, it's good to know that my intro changes every week. It's not scripted, huh? Well, no, nothing scripted, is it? Although you do do me a little sort of like um, sheet there that um, I sort of browse over a little bit. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, B, we've just come off episode 124 where we had a very passionate group of guests in Paul Jolie, uh, Manny, Jimmy, uh, and we also had Genevieve who were arguing the case for 1977 to 86 in terms of why in excess in that period resonated with them. And I guess to the point, they did make some sort of compelling arguments that relate to them. I do know they definitely upset one or two people out there who were like, you know, well, I'm going to Twitter on this. <laughs> you know, I'm a, an advocate of 87 and 97 and that, that bunch of people now have no idea. And that's good. We like a bit of passion in any type of debate. So uh, I may even read a excerpt out later for one of my Twitter friends, uh, but I'll hold off on that, B. But uh, I guess most of all, B, uh, this particular time, Topic has, uh, I guess, turned around and uh, opened up a little bit of a hornet's it nest. That has actually uh, allowed us to sort of be introduced to people like Eric Alper and Stephen Green and a few yeah. others there who mm-hmm. we just felt that um, they've got a bigger story to tell and we might be to get them on our, our broader topic podcast because mm-hmm. they are great music fans with a bit of knowledge about this era. Yes, big, massive, global fans of music and they'd yes. like to come on our little show. How cool yes. is that? So, yeah, yes. we have invited them on, so they'll be coming on very soon. It's very exciting. There's just... Like the our inbox is very full, isn't it, Hayden? Yes, I will. I will just agree with that comment on its own, without any any double entendre references. <laughs> Don't know what you mean. Don't you mean? But yes, they were very passionate, weren't they, the guys yeah. last week? Um, and honest, I would say, yes. um, especially Genevieve. You know, she was only young, and she was very excited to see an excess. And the fact that she was disappointed, she wasn't disappointed in the music. Everybody, she was disappointed. That she'd made this going to be so exciting, yet they felt so far away and distant from her. That's what I would say she felt. Yeah, well, you're you're definitely um, you know polishing up her argument, but you know she owned her argument, and people don't always she agree did. with it, and that's yeah. the point of any civilized debate. Well, I think Jimmy dem- even not- backed her up, didn't he? Laurie, Laurie, and myself aren't Democrats at all. We're you know uh, <laughs> we only have a one sided view on things, Laurie. But uh, uh, we might hear from her later. But uh, yes, uh, I guess we've had a short turnaround. But how's your in excess three day week been since I last spoke to you in more detailed terms? Yeah, and you come across your desk. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mentioned last week that I was – who are you waving to, me? No, <laughs> I'm waving to colleagues walking out of work. <laughs> yes. Um, I mentioned last week that I'd had an invite to a party down in Sydney. Yep. And um, so hello to Georgie. Yes, I'm coming. We've got this this in the bag today, haven't we, Hayden, so that I can actually go partying down in Sydney. So, yes, another six-hour drive there. Um. And uh, she says, bring your husband. Well, I forgot to ask him, actually. So I'm taking Glenn Davis, my my hot date, Glenn Davis. So the, the, the hot date is on a cruise on Sydney Harbour, listening to a tribute band of, of In Excess. Right. Okay, cool. Um, and what are they called? In Excessive. But it's the... Oh, the um, Excessive Sydney version. It's the New South Wales version, yeah. Yeah, this will be yeah. interesting because we have had... Uh, They've uh, got a new sh- lead singer. Mm, right. Be interesting. Okay. Mm. JD, huh? JD. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. No. Mm. Well, we, we've just come off, obviously, our inaccessible Victorian uh, gig watch, and mm. I've seen it twice in the last few months, plus the lead singer David Graham is going to be coming on our podcast, I think, November 11th uh, for recording purposes, and that'll be great. And I think you'll have a good comparison to have when he's on, but you'll be able to hit him up about, oh, well, they played this song, and uh, you only didn't play that. So, you know, you might better, or you can go, oh, you guys are better or whatever, you know, whatever the place uh, uh, means to you or the gig means to you. Oh, I think everyone every one of these tribute bands has a different um, appeal, you know, mm. so like like some are just it's more of a show, some raw and ready and yeah. No, I'm looking forward to being open to this one, um, being on a boat. It'd be great, it'd be great. The other thing that came across my desk, Hayden, is we found a videographer. Hello to Maria. She is a ball of energy. She's from Miami. She's mm. been um, living in excess for 30 years. So she is our girl. She's brilliant. I've already had a meeting with her. Well, I saw a little Zoom invite with her name on the other day. And I'm going, who's Maria? Who's, yeah, uh, I bet who, you did. Who's B, who's B cheating on <laughs> with me with? Is she trying to get a new co-host there? Uh, <laughs> I was invited on. Actually, you better watch out. She'd be an excellent co-host. She's great. Well, how, how do you solve a problem like Maria? I don't know. Uh, anyway. She, she, uh, isn't a problem she's the uh, she's the cure <laughs> how do you catch a cloud and pin it down how do you find a word that means maria it's for the 26th of November down in Wollongong. I've right. also booked your, your hotel room today as well. So okay. you're, you're bunking in with somebody um, and it's not a girl, unfortunately. Oh, okay. No, no there's a <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> there's a bar downstairs and I'm sure the after party will, uh, as long as you're not ill. Yes, well, this is really important. Any type of Very activity important. we set up, I get sick. But um, anyway, B, we would like to also uh, pivot now and welcome our patrons aboard. Uh, I know Nick Egan did a big shout-out last week. We need more patrons. We are definitely going to the next level with this gig, and um, mm-hmm. uh, funds do come and go, and it is really what we would call a non-pro- uh, non-for-profit exercise. So if you can see it in your hearts to give out $5, 10 $20, 50 a month, by the various pledges that we have on our platforms. Uh, we would most appreciate it, with, uh, appreciate it. And if you feel like you do get some entertainment and uh, a little structure in your life that adds to your working week and fortnight, um, any contribution you can make, uh, even a one-off pledge, does help keep the wheels greased, doesn't it, be? Absolutely, Hayden. All right, but over to the patrons. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. 
Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Farris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Mark and Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack and Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, happy birthday Jim, Matey, Kelly, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Yari, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa Urban, happy birthday, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Nicole, Tracy, Darren, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan and Andrew. And our special mentions are to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael, Glenn, Paul and Jay. And just coming in at the last minute there, Georgie, the latest patron. My mate, I can't wait to see you at the weekend. Thanks, everyone. part where we do a little teaser for the podcast topic coming up in about 10 minutes time and uh, we are going to be uh, uh, well having guests today argue the case for 1987 to 97 in terms of their in excess period with Michael being the superior period for them um, as we say no right or wrong answer it's all in the eye of the beholder uh, but we do have three or four very very uh, enthusiastic guests coming on today who I think will be very strident be very uh, very disciplined and very particular in their reasoning behind why this period uh, generates the buzz for them. So uh, looking forward to uh, welcoming them in about 10 minutes' time. Um, royalty in the in excess fandom, <laughs> haven't we really? We so do, we're we very, do. very, very lucky to have these guests on. But B, that's uh, all we've got for that. It's time for the news. Oh, y- y- you're stealing my spot? Oh, shit. I was supposed to ask you. <laughs> B, what's it time for? What's it time for? <laughs> Hang on. It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. GB, we really are going rogue today off script a little bit, aren't we? Uh, but that's okay. Now, in terms of chart updates, there's only been a three-day turnaround since the time of uh, charts released to recording today. So there aren't any updates. But as we said last week, the very best of has gone from 60 to 46, uh, which is great. So obviously a upward trajectory. Uh, but it is Shabu Shabar release week, B. This is the week where you can get out and go and get your uh, new copy. You can get your uh, live uh, remix versions with Mark Opitz and and if you are very lucky, there is a couple of little places you can actually find some vinyl uh, versions or the clear vinyl versions, which I'll share in a moment. But um, uh, B, it's, it's always good having new stuff added into the canon of mm-hmm. fandom and collectors out there, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Well done. You know, tell me off air and not tell well, them. Well, no, I will share it on air. I, I, I did do a little bit of digging and there is a website called Paladin Vinyl. Now, I'll spell that for people, P-A-L-A-D-I-N, Vinyl. Uh, it seems like a reputable site, having done a little bit of research, and they've got a really good broad catalogue of vinyl. Uh, the interesting thing for here is I did see the Shabu Shabar clear uh, sort of version uh, and also the one we spoke about last week, which was the swing uh, Blue Jay sort of opaque sort of vinyl version. Uh, both of these seem to be on this site for $25.19. Now, I think that's US prices. Uh, if it's not, well, it's then cheaper. Uh, but you could get onto this particular site and seemingly they have some copies. So as to how they got them, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but they may have some there if you did miss out on some of those uh, clear vinyl uh, versions or the blue version, et cetera, there. Good find. So um, interesting sort of um, stats there. Yeah. Um, also, too, I think this is potentially uh, a new interview, which is hard to find just through the optics and things, but uh, it looks like Kirk may have been contributing to a, a Rock Classics radio podcast this week, which I think is uh, an American pod, uh, American radio show. I think it's called Rock, Rock Classics Radio. The lady called Jan seemed to be interviewing uh, uh, Kirk. Uh, it's sort of not behind a paywall. It's behind one of those signing walls where mm. you probably have to give 14 you know, bits of ID to suddenly open it up and then you've got to put your credit card down and yeah. then opt out later. So um, if you can get in via other methods, uh, I think that could be a new uh, particular uh, interview. If not, it's something I haven't heard or seen or seen on the uh, internet space recently. Equally, there's also one I did find from looking around based on a topic or a podcast called More Than Just a Hobby. Now, this is a podcast run by... A Sydney guy called Gus Warland. Gus is Hugh Jackman's best friend. He, yeah, he's a radio sort of DJ on Triple M, and him and uh, Hugh Jackman grew up together. But he does a good deep dive uh, into entrepreneurship and into building a business and a brand. And I know Kirk um, gave quite a bit of time, maybe about an hour, I think, with Gus earlier in the year on that. And it's a good listen if you uh, want to check that one out. Cool. Also, too, uh, in Gigwatch, uh, your boys don't change your booking 2023 dates, B. Did you yeah, know that? Ah, really? Well, uh, okay. Even as late as April next year, it seems like they're playing in Bathurst. Now, Bathurst is a regional New South Wales town known for its uh, car racing and things, but it looks like they're playing there around Easter time next year. Um, and also to thank you to, I think, Karen Peters, who was very praising uh, over the weekend of my finger dancing bee. <laughs> okay, not my dude dancing with my feet, but I, did, I was doing some figure dancing, according to Karen. Mm. Uh, there was a, uh, well, obviously I've mentioned this recently, but there's a song called Heart and Soul, which I really think is a, a real stomper, which is Noiseworks' latest single uh, sung by John Stevens. Uh, a bit of a cross between Clocks by Coldplay with a little bit more grit and yeah. cold chisel sort of mm -hmm. um, uh, right hooks there. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you, Karen, for liking my uh, finger dancing there while I was in the car, <laughs> doing, doing, my, doing my thing. Excellent. Uh, Although yes, she, has, uh, she has says that you've got to dance properly. Well, that's true. That's true. Again, the 26th, so you Hopefully uh, I will be fit enough to get do so. dancing shoes on. Now, quickly, Noiseworks have uh, got a bunch of dates across Australia mm -hmm. where they're touring this summer, a lot of outdoor festivals and a couple of sort of individual gigs. Can't wait to see them because it's, uh, uh, you know, they've got a new album coming out. Um, not only is the song Heart and Soul a bit of a ripper, but they've got a another song of this album that's going to be out called Let It Go. And uh, it's not the uh, Frozen song version, everyone. It's uh, it's much more rock and things like that, but uh, mm. it's a killer ballad. Um, I've seen it live. I've got it on a live sort of uh, gig CD. 
I've had for about 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but this song, a lot of these songs were recorded 10, 12, 15 years ago. They're just mm. only getting around to releasing it now. Uh, and a lot of this gig and this concert series is in um, memorial to Stuart Fraser, who was the major guitarist who unfortunately passed away from cancer uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so this is a bit of a, a tour to remember him by. Oh. Um, so I know not strictly in excess, but, you know, John has a, a direct link with in excess and mm-hmm. good friends with our guest next week, John Farris. Uh, yeah. but- uh, yes, he is, yes. Um, yeah. That wasn't great that you um, posted the video that they'd put up on um, Facebook yes. and I'd just yes. been watching it on Instagram oh, yes, and commented yes. yeah. at the same yes. time. It yes. was great. So, so, yeah, that was lovely. So if you want to get onto their Instagram or socials, go go look at um, yeah. Noiseworks. They're looking really and nice. And just another little tie in there. There's one of the very talented keyboard players, a guy called Justin Stanley. Now, Justin's actually uh, produced albums for, for Silverchair. He's produced a lot of albums overseas. I think he's worked with the Eagles and a lot of big bands there. And his wife is Nika Costa, who uh, sings on uh, the original Sin album that you were flashing in my direction before, B. Uh, I think she sings uh, She sings on that particular album oh. there. Uh, so all these little tie-ins there. So... Um, and just the last one, uh, I did want to reiterate uh, from a couple of weeks ago, if you're new to our podcast, there is a great JD Fortune interview that, uh, uh, again, I can only encourage people to read, uh, have a, a dive deep on. Uh, you know, I know a few people have given feedback and really enjoyed it. So uh, we might flesh that out more when uh, we get him on the podcast. But uh, again, just a reiteration of that one, B. But that's the news of the week. Can I just add something to your news? Of course you do. Um, you always do, and that's okay. Go back a bit. You were on about Daniel Johns and Silverchair. I had yep. um, it, it's a slightly fun engagement, but it's sort of to do with that as well. I had um a guy called Mark Bartlett get in touch with me. Hello, mm-hmm. Mark. You're great. I love chatting to you. Um, and he said something about um, are you sure? He says I can recommend the Daniel Johns exhibition on Collins Street. Um, he says, of course, it's silver chair, or whatever. But um, go get, go, go see it. It's fantastic, and it's a great example of a band performer can create a space devoted just to their work. Where and when is the In Excess Museum going to be happening? Is that Collins Street, Melbourne, uh, where it's on? I think so. Yeah, because okay. that was when yeah, I was in Melbourne. Right mm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, well, that's the news of the week, Pete. This is Danielle. This is Lori. And this is Foxy. We're the News Real Babies. Please subscribe to our newsletter at nxsaccessallareas.com. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Well done, Hayden and B. You've made my brothers and I very proud of what you've achieved so far. A big hello to all your listeners and NXS fans. Well, uh, I guess when you debate second, you have uh, what you would call the right of reply, return of serve. You get a chance to hear the opposition's arguments and you can frame your own responses accordingly. Well, as we said earlier, we have, uh, you know, three or four guests on today who are going to be coming in and firing some bullets in response to people last week, but just equally as important from their own sort of music, musical love and fandom about what makes the 1987 era to 1997 particularly uh, important to them. Uh, so we're going to welcome them all aboard and, uh, you know, let them come and join us today. Speaking of my life, killer 
very excited to be having part two of our Great In Excess debate. Uh, this week it is 1987 to 1997, and we're doing this on the Michael years, having last week done 1977 to 86. And needless to say, there has been a lot of Twitter back and forth. I was just on Twitter yesterday and today, and there's a, a Mr. Hoffman who was like uh, uh, very uh, vigilant. About, and it was good because he got angry about the people last week arguing. And that's the point of a debate. You have to get angry at uh, the arguments. So I just said to him just a moment ago, B, come on this week as well and argue your case. But you do have to compete with Laurie from Chicago, Darren from the border of Victoria, New South Wales, our honorary patron, Mary Woods. B, you did compare well last week with a a very group of opinions. So just reminding our debaters, B, the terms of reference are the artistic and commercial and live and everything re- relevant to uh, that part of their career. Uh, we know Unix has had a bit of a commercial peak between 87 and 89, but doesn't mean necessarily they didn't have an artistic peak between 92 and 93. So we like to think there's a well-rounded group of uh, opinions. We thought that uh, last week people argued their case well. There's never a right or wrong answer when it comes to taste. However, there's definitely a right answer when it comes to self-righteousness and given that word over to you Laurie oh boy wow (laughs) you're from the Chicago area you've got a you'd have strong arguments I think to open the batting yeah yeah okay so uh first I just want to say thank you thanks for having me on and thank you for your support of my two podcasts um accelerated culture and stateside madness we really appreciate your support you guys so where to start um I think it goes without saying that the band really peaked in 87 with kick, at least commercially. And I'm kind of looking at it from my timeline. So as I said, the first episode that you guys ever had me on way back when, like two years ago, kick and X kind of bookended my high school career. I started high school the year that kick came out. I graduated in 91, so uh, X had just come out. So that was kind of the soundtrack for my high school career. And, and they were at their peak. They were huge. Everybody knew who NXS was. I mean, I think I even told you guys my high school English teacher even went out and bought the CD because the students told him to. After that, I kind of feel like maybe there was like an oversaturation in the media because all of the sudden, and I mean, granted, taste Tastes shifted a little bit too around this time, but like all of a sudden it seemed like nobody, nobody cared anymore. So like when Welcome to Wherever You Are came out, I wasn't even aware of it. I mean, I think I heard on the radio, I think I heard um, Make Time Stop. And, or not enough time rather. And, and I remember thinking, ooh, that's kind of good. But you know, they, they really just kind of dropped off commercially. Welcome to Wherever You Are. Now that reached platinum. And that peaked at number 16 in the U.S. So that was still moderately successful, not as successful as X, which was double platinum. But then Full Moon Dirty Hearts only spent five weeks on the charts and only reached number 53. And Elegantly Wasted spent eight weeks on the charts, peaked at 41. So it never, neither one cracked the top 40. Now, where am I going with this? Well, it's really, really unfortunate because I didn't discover these albums until during the pandemic. I wasn't even aware of their existence. And oh my gosh, these are like, I think they're the band's best work. You know, it's such a shame that commercially, that at least here in America, I think the fans kind of 
gave up on them and moved on to other things because I miss their absolute total best creative output. Um, you know, they were collaborating with well-known artists, Chrissy Hind, Ray Charles. I mean, Ray Charles, oh my gosh, that was absolutely freaking amazing. Um, they were experimenting with new instruments. Uh, you know, we had like sitars and some, some songs and we had like different kinds of instrumentation. We had um, uh, some of their songs kind of veered off into blues a little bit. I'm thinking of like searching. Um, and, and they even did kind of dabble a little bit into the grunge sound of the time. I mean, if you listen to Shake the Tree, that does not sound like an NXS song to me. That sounds to me like Soundgarden or like that's like the least NXS sounding song out of all of them. But like put together artistically their last three albums with Michael they do not sound dated at all. Some of their older stuff, even even on X and Kick, some of it sounds really dated. But pulling out these, they sound just as fresh and just as current now as they would have when they first came out. They're they're timeless. Um, I think it really took it, it took the band a while. I think to find their sound. You know, their early stuff. Their early stuff was good. You know, I mean, because everything. It's a scaffold, right? Everything builds on what came before. And without those previous albums, none of this, you know, like peak creativity could have happened. But let's face it, their first few albums are really, really dated. And there's not a lot of stuff on there, like especially their first two albums that I find myself going back to and listening to on a regular basis. You know, every once in a while, kind of like a musical palette cleanser, you know, I want to listen to something different. Maybe I'll put on, you know, underneath the colors or something. But I mean, there's nothing there that really, I don't know, it really resonates with me in 2022, the way that their latter albums do. Well done. I like that. That's a really good um, segue in. I really like that. Very good. So a great argument against the case of um, against the um, first six albums and for the uh, the last five albums. Or do you do you listen to Switch? No, not you no. know. I, I I listened to it once and um, it was too country for me. Too country. Oh, too country. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I didn't care for it. Okay, we'll go to Darren next because I think Darren's champion the bit to get his. Uh, I, can spiel see, out. I can see him going. Oh, I want to talk. I want to yeah, talk. Yeah, go, yeah. Darren. <laughs> I, th- I think um, Laurie's ass- assessment of that uh, period is probably relevant to the market that she lived in. Um, it certainly wasn't the case in Australia. Going through X uh, and and the immediate uh, months and year following X uh, back home. I think the boys returned and they went straight into doing some recording and then uh, obviously came out only eight months after Wembley to do the Concert for Life in March, on March 28th in 92. And they were even at the start of that year, which you're talking about, what, March to November, so, you know, eight, eight months before Welcome even came out, they were doing this stuff live already. And so they were really ramping up and... If I remember rightly, Welcome released in Australia was actually uh, very well received. It went to number two and was only stopped from going to number one by the soundtrack for Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. Um, And obviously then through the UK, the band uh, had that album go number one in the UK. So our point of view over here was that they never really stopped. They were still working as hard as ever. Um, And I can understand the absence. If If you're away from America for five minutes, they just tend to forget about you. And I'm sure that's, you know, 
not in a uh, unpolite way. That's just what happens. And like, you can't be everywhere at once. And um, I think through 92, um, they worked and then released uh, Welcome at the end of the year and had a run of good singles in that. I know they did Heaven Sent at the ARIA Awards in 92. They were very present uh, here at home. And when you grow up in Sydney where they where they lived and worked and, and cut their teeth, it's sort of, you know, um, you're never that far away from them. You know, whatever they're doing. So they're always doing something at home. So you get a much different sort of look into uh, how active they are, um, not just through what you hear, maybe what they're doing on the radio or whatever, but um, you get to you know, the blessing of being able to uh, keep up with um, the news and current affairs and they might be doing a gig here or recording here. They're just literally recording down the road half the time, whether it was rhinoceros or wherever. So yeah. um, at home it's much different, yeah. Mm. Do you think management changed it a little bit for them as well when Chris left? Yeah, I mean, they they, they went into then doing full, uh, you know, obviously full moon with 93 and on the back of 92 doing the pub tour around Australia and then into the full moon, you know, into the Dirty Honeymoon tour. You know, there was tours in 92, 93, into 94, I believe, and then obviously that Greatest Hits came out and then I think they went did a fair bit of promo for that through Europe. Um yeah, and that's when I think Chris obviously dropped off the scene. So he could obviously then argue that um, going into LB Wasted was just a whole different ball game considering yeah. they, they recorded that in Canada. There was different management. And I'm sure that's where Mary probably offers some good insight into yeah. those years being so close to Martha. All right, then. Well, let's hand the ball to Mary. Well, you know, I remember when Listen Like Thieves came out, it, it really hit the stakes really well and they got some recognition they did a lot of touring they got a lot of radio play then of course kick came next now when kick came out i was not really listening to the radio at the time i was working on charter yachts in the caribbean so i wasn't really aware of what was going on but i remember people bringing their cassette tapes on board of kick. And I remember listening to it thinking, God, what a great album. Oh yeah. In excess. That's right. I know who they are. So kick was the juggernaut really in the States, as you all know, that's where they gained massive recognition, big sold out concerts, lots of airplay, lots of videos on MTV winning the MTV video of the year, it seemed like they were on their way, you know, to being mm -hmm. just the hugest thing. You know, of course, then they, they took a break and they worked on solo projects. And it was really in 89 that I sort of rediscovered them and had to then go back and listen to all of their albums from the very beginning. So I could sort of get a sense of how they began, how they blossomed, and how they improved their sound. Of course, it was Chris Thomas, through his production wizardry, mm. really brought them to recognition and, and great you know, radio play and all their touring. By the time Kick came out, they, they were the biggest thing since sliced, sliced bread you know, yeah. in the States. Yeah. And of course, my favorite album, X, you know, came out after that. And they were still really huge in the States and they were selling out stadiums and they just looked so great, you know, in concert and people were so thrilled about it. The album did pretty well 
in the States, not as good as, as kick. And then from that point on, of course, they started losing airplay. Welcome to wherever you are. Didn't get the recognition that I think it should have deserved in the States. Mm. Uh, Cause that was a really superior album. It was, mm. it was smart. It was intelligent. Mm. It had, you know, just different sounds than what we'd heard before from them. You know, the American market market is fickle and they were on to the next big thing. So they didn't really get the recognition, I think, in the States that they should have. And then they didn't really tour. You know, they did the, the small pub tour, which I thought was great because I went to just about every show. And it was wonderful <laughs> to see them in these really small venues with people going crazy. And then, of course, Full Moon, Dirty Hearts, they didn't tour a lot behind that. So by that point, they had sort of lost uh, that momentum. And, uh, and then they took a break, you know, a pretty long break in 95 and through 96. And, you know, by the time Elegantly Wasted came out, you know, just people weren't really paying attention. And it was like, ho-ha, who cares? anymore but um those years in the 80s and the early 90s i thought were the most exciting and and that's when i began to really listen to their previous work and try to understand how they began how they sounded how they improved and moved on through the years with their sound and uh, musicianship and writing so you can definitely see the progression and with all the touring they did i I wish they would have gotten a lot more recognition uh between you know welcome and yeah elegantly wasted it's hard to pick between the two sides because everyone wants to just go into the middle because that was that the you know, that was the Chris Thomas era that was when you know it was being played that's when they were like at their peak um but where would you sit yourself would you sit yourself that you would listen to the um first six albums or more towards the end towards um elegantly wasted well i still listen to x and welcome to wherever you are and full moon dirty hearts Elegantly wasted, not so much. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just kind of didn't warm to it as much as I did those previous three albums. The earlier works I thought were real interesting, again, to see where they began and how they uh, improved their sound. But to me, X is still my favorite album. It could be just that's when I came on board, yeah. um, really threw myself into it so much you say that about elegantly wasted but you actually were in the road watching them film some mm-hmm. of their videos is that right which videos were that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. very lucky lady oh, yeah <laughs> yeah i was there when they filmed searching and uh they did a lot of it in san francisco where i lived so that was very convenient did it for you mary Yeah, of course, I went to just about every show during Elegantly Wasted. And of course, I loved it. I really did. Michael was wonderful to watch. I have to admit, for me, the art, I didn't like the artwork. (laughs) Not that that has anything to do with the sound, because it really doesn't. But I was a little turned off by the artwork. But the, the album on the whole had a lot of continuity. It did have some really good songs on it. It just didn't get airplay. It didn't get recognition in the States like I wished it would have. 
Mm. Um, maybe that's because Chris Murphy wasn't around. Who knows, really? You know, pushed as much as it could have been. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so too. And by then, like I said, you know, the the music listening public had moved on mm. to other things and mm. they just weren't interested. They didn't get any radio play to speak of, um, not like in the previous albums. It was interesting. I don't know who I was talking to this morning. I think it was Manny, actually. And we were saying that Michael was such a rock god at this point. And I hate to say it, but he was outshining the music and the and the band towards the end because of what was being said in the newspapers. And I think that had a little bit of a stain on that part of the mm. era as well. Not with, with the sales and things. I mean, for us, I mean, we're true friends. We'll love everything that they will put out, you know. Hayden always sure. laughs at me about stuff like that. But I, I, I tend to agree with Manny. I think it was such a, um, a rock god. I mean, you know, we've got... We've got Bono's a rock god, but he's not got that sex appeal and wanting to be him. Like it was Michael, it was just everything. You know, that might be, again, a, a difference of what's happening in location, because at least here in the States, we didn't get any of these salacious headlines or anything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I, right. I had no idea. You know, I think I, I found out many years later that he had dated Kylie and that kind of surprised me. But I mean, that was it. So, I mean, I know like, especially in the UK and in Australia, there were all these, you know, scandal headlines with uh, Polly Yates and everything. We had no, we had no idea who she was, nor did we really care. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the only thing that we heard when he died, there was the rumor that Paula started that it was autoerotic asphyxiation. And that was the last any of us heard of it. And quite frankly, that's what most of us still thought until we saw the Mystify documentary, yeah. which kind of set that straight. But um, we we didn't hear any of that over here. So I don't know that that's accurate over here. That certainly might be the case in other countries. There was very little publicity about Michael's death in the States. Very little. I mean, if you look at... Yeah. Rolling Stone, which really never did much for them anyway, the U.S. Rolling Stone, they had like a third of a page little snippet about his death. And that was it. You know, no retrospective. Yeah. I mean, it was really very sad and made me very angry. Not like the Australian Rolling Stone, which went full out, of course. Well, yeah, let alone every single newspaper, magazine, everywhere over here was covered with it. And you're right, Lori, you know, we in the States, we didn't know anything really about the the UK gutter press and what they were putting them through. I mean, I did because I was following all of it at the time. But that was because people in England were sending me the magazines, you know, OK, hello, all the newspapers. Oh, it was just awful. It was so, so yeah. sad that it was so daily that you actually had to not look. And then you, you do you know what I mean? You mm. had to turn yourself off from all of it mm. in a way. It was yeah. just awful. Poor guy. He got trapped yeah. there. And, he got uh, trapped. The UK, yeah, UK press just destroyed yeah. him. And that was always going they to really take away did. from mm. the next album, you know. I hope they still had sleepless nights over it. Probably don't, though. Yeah. Yeah. No. They I mean, made money. He had a, yeah, and I think that was part of the plan when he did pass was to get back to Australia and 
and rebase and get out of that cesspit, you know, because he got back late in 96 as well for the ARIA Awards. And that's when they sort of, after their break, came back and did uh, searching live at the ARIAs, um, which was well received. I still disputed the song choice. And again, that might be a management thing, but I, I still reckon they should have come back and, and ploughed everybody with elderly waste. The yeah. title track and blown them out of the water at the Arias, and mm. people may have went, "Wow!" For a, for a band that's come out of the '80s, just with just electric everything, blowing the bucket of you know, microphones and whatever, and all of a sudden they're doing a melody at the Arias, and it was sort of a bit weird. Yeah. yeah, but it was very heartfelt, wasn't it? It was really emotional to watch him singing that because of what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're yeah. right; they should have like. He liked putting his finger up, didn't he? He should have done that, you know, and gone well, that's out what they there did. with yeah, exactly. Wasted, you're right. I remember 92 with the Arias when they did Heaven Sent. He came out and people remember that show and that Aria Awards because the band blew the audience away with Heaven Sent and Michael ended up throwing the microphone stand to, to about row three and taking out about six people. So everyone, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what you remember it for. Oh, man, he was something. Um, this side that we're talking about, personally, it was amazing for you, Darren. I mean, you mm. you got the dot com, you became their friends, you know, and still are. So this was very special for you, hey? Yeah, I mean, you get, I went through the, um, you know, Welcome Forever Our Face past and I sort of started having this idea, which I spoke to Chris Murphy briefly outside the Aries in 92, um, when they arrived and told him the idea of doing a book. And I really had the first idea to do a, an official biography on the band. Um, and back in those days, it was a matter of going to Kmart and scanning uh, pictures, uh, you know, at their centre for 20 cents a hit, which was expensive. Um, there was just no technology until sort of the mid-90s when the internet evolved and we started developing fan sites. Um, and that's where it all really started. And, um, yeah, obviously Mary has that whole story about .com got registered and how we sort of evolved um, – there and develop their website once Michael died. So if I can just, I remember this morning having a bit of a think about this before we came on air. And I think the argument for the first 10 and the last 10 years is summarized in the music. And you can see it coming through in the first 10 years is the want they've, they've, they've come from nothing. They're still building a product, a name um, and a label. And the, the want is there. They, they work hard. And the next 10 years is about them being able to then do what they want Sustain it. Mm. Yeah. Now, well, they've got the, the the backing now and the financial freedom and the experience and the three thousand live gigs under their belt, and they sit back in the next ten years and go, "Well, fuck it, we'll just do what we want to do now. We don't have to do what we did in the first ten. Mm. And that's where I think they free up through albums like Welcome, um, songs like Freedom Deep, and some stuff they get away with that they might not have gotten away with in the first ten because of that freedom. I think that's a, a good point, Darren. Mm. I think, you know, a lot of people get very, very mired down by commercial success. I think, you know, over the journey, you look at some of the, the, the great artists over time and you look at, you know, the top 40 appearances or all those type of things. And bands like the Velvet Underground or Neil Young, they haven't had a lot of, you know, commercial top 40 billboard success, but they've probably had, you know, critically speaking, albums that have defined their eras and things like that. And 
like every band that changes decades, every decade in music has had some sort of, you know, resurgence of something, you know, whether it was the 60s in terms of that music there that went into the 70s, into the glam era, uh, which was then sort of blown apart by punk in the late 70s. Um, the 80s was a decade of excess. And unfortunately, the word excess and in excess were inextricably, pardon the pun, linked. Mm-hmm. Laurie likes that one. Mm. So sometimes they just got a little bit lumped into a certain sort of era that wasn't necessarily true truly defining them and i think as you said you know darren a lot of their european success australian success uh, was reasonably continuous into the 90s um albeit maybe not as much in america also too one things that i've always believed is that it takes time effort and commitment to actually buy into a band for more than five years because life gets in the way, you know, it's, it's, you know, things change. People grow up, people, you know, get married, have kids. The core audience generally of, of renegade music is the youth. So that 13 to 22-year-old age bracket, you've got to find a way of penetrating that continually. I read a good article on U2 mm-hmm. today and I was effectively saying the last 18 years have been pretty much dog shit in terms of being able to get into the zeitgeist of that youth. You know, 30 years apart, now you can look back on the merit of the music and say i think that they didn't do kick part two three and four which is something is commendable and you know their 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 music is like a bedspread or a sort of a a mosaic of different colors and things so i think we've got this sort of body of 10 studio albums uh, that stand up you know x amount of years later pardon the pun yeah, I mean, you've got bands like U2 own their own record label. Um, bands like In Excess that came up through, a lot of, lot of bands that through that time were signed for X amount of albums, for X amount of money. The, the, you've got to remember that the whole industry on the inside has also changed as well. And mm. the bands like In Excess and, and that wouldn't necessarily fit in the music industry these days uh, with the way the record labels just want to churn out singles and, and individual artists and then just move on to the next thing. So, you know, they're they're part of the time as well and the whole industry's changed. Did you hear last week's? I did. You asked everybody for their top five. So I was prepared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well then go go Laurie then you you start. Can you tell us your top 5? Okay, so these are not necessarily in any particular order, but I would go with Time, Freedom Deep, She is Rising, Not Enough Time, and of course The Stairs because that was my anthem that got me through my senior year of high school. Good choices. Well done. Mary, would you have some at the top of your head or do you have to think about Mm. it? Mm. Well, let's see. Uh, Number one is the stairs. B does not agree with us on the stairs, Mary. B does not agree with us. I know. No, I still argue. I still argue. Not argue, but I still have people asking me, so why is it that you don't like that? Do you know what? And I listen to it and I love hearing it live. Like when I go to um, a tribute band, love hearing it live. But to listen to it, I just go, I have to either fast forward it to get to the best bit. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> or, or, yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll edit that bit out anyway. <laughs> um, Baby Don't Cry. I love that. Love yeah. that very much. And question. 
And, oh, I do like Elegantly Wasted. I, I would have to put that in my top five, the song mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, I, I just haven't had a chance to think about it. <laughs> I know there's two more somewhere in there. Don't Lose Your Head or Girl on Fire. Oh, there you go. I love that. Don't lose your head. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of that. All right, Darren, tell us your top five songs for the last 10 years of Enix. It wasn't even easy to get it down to a top 10, but I'll, I'll have a mm. crack at five in no particular order. But um, obviously the stairs for me on X is something that does hold time still um, from that album. I think that's a standout and, and always has been. So um, Taste It is an obvious um, choice for me. I just think that's uh, brilliant. Uh, Freedom Deep. Is, is quality and I always now associate Freedom Deep with the live performance from that uh, concert in Japan. If you get a chance to watch that version of it, uh, that's that's the only version I listen to. I just think that's brilliant. Uh, time, obviously uh, the bass line goes right through you in that song and you've got some volume. Time is brilliant. And and one out of the, out of the back deck is uh, Back Online. I've always been a huge fan of, of Back Online from Welcome. I think that's a highly underrated track. Amazing, amazing songs that they actually produced in that last 10 years. Um, yeah, complete rotation. Um, it, I, would have, I wouldn't have come onto this show to uh, debate, definitely not. So thank you so much for uh, giving us your time today to do that. And we'll be doing a poll. <laughs> Is that right, Hayden? We'll have a poll coming out. Um, uh, is it going to be an individual poll or is it just going to be for the first year, 10 years or the last 10 years? How you, yeah, how I think so. Just it? one era versus the other. Okay. Just, Not individual debaters. Yeah. Okay. Teams. Well, good. Then I'm glad that I'm here for this conversation because <laughs> guess who's going to be the one who's going to be creating it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no cheating, Laurie. <laughs> Adding 10 Never. extra. On t- no. <laughs> Unless it was about John specifically, and then yes, <laughs> that I would stack the poll a little bit. <laughs> well, while we're here, Mary, Mary, have you still got some of your fan kits available to uh, oh, buy? Oh, I do. I have a few left, and I'm uh, thinking about making them available again. Oh, really? Now that I've built my house and I'm all moved in here in Mexico, so... I am planning to post them on my eBay page. It's a US eBay page and shipping will be free awesome. from Mexico. Awesome. I'll, I'll, and I'll all hope- the art prints. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. you can get that done before Sunday when this is released and then we can add it into the description and then people can just oh. go and click on that and uh, purchase them. I will do that. I will do that <laughs> very much. So I have a few of them left, so time to make them available. I kind of put them to bed for a while as I moved and went into storage, but here I am again. Awesome. No, so that'd be gorgeous. great. Fantastic. I think we've all got I've got to say, this, uh, this, this crew today, what a, what a gun crew. Laurie and Mary and you two. <laughs> Darren was a co-writer with me um, on the magazine that I produced all juiced up. So he contributed quite a bit back in, let's see, I published all of that in 98. So it was around, you know, 97 through 98. So thank you, Darren. I still remember 
sending those biographies through and working on those dates and that turned out really yeah. well that magazine oh, it's stuff. fantastic yeah. yeah it's great and that's yeah. part of the fan kit now as well when mm. people purchase that oh yeah mm. and it's really great if you want to really learn about the history of the band short snippets everything's really accurate highly researched everything's correct and it's in chronological order and there's solo projects discographies from australia yeah. uk and us you know all the rarities we had matthew to yeah. rely on to make sure that it was all yeah. fact checked properly it was good. See, <laughs> yeah and matthew now helped was, where's that matthew and this, yeah. this was oh sorry. this was really this was really intimidating for me when i found <laughs> out that you two were going to be on this episode because you actually oh. you, you've worked with the band and you mm -hmm. have that history and i'm oh, like yeah. just Hey, yeah. some some chick from Chicago that hasn't listened to it until the last two years. So <laughs> you're doing a good job, Lori. Oh job. yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't be intimidated by me. That's for sure. I I don't remember a whole lot to tell you the truth. Oh, you that's what do. happens when you age. What happens when you drink? I had. <laughs> well, that too. I had to pull out my magazine, and I was sitting here looking at it before the the session started, and thinking, "Oh, I got to remember some of this stuff." Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you know, I I went through the snippets, and I I tried to remember some of the. Uh, important information in case I was asked but yeah. thank you Darren for helping me with it and you know oh, I, I held on to you know I had the website until I don't know it was around 2000 I guess and you took it over at that point when I moved on the band didn't even have email so I answered all their email I had in excess.com from 94 through yeah. probably 2000, I guess it yeah. was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. right during the time when Michael passed. So and they still didn't afterwards. They still didn't have emails. They just all come to me and I would just reply to all of them. Well, thanks for everybody jumping on at uh, a very short notice. Uh, we will look forward to having uh, all of these views counteracted by our people last week and then you counteracting them. And let's get a bit of a Twitter tribal messenger war happening. <laughs> stand, stand proud of your position. Don't yield for anyone. Double down. You're such an instigator, hey. Hayden. You're such an instigator. Fighting spirit. <laughs> Do you want to just end with a, a paragraph that sums up your love for this decade? Um, I think uh, if you looked at a couple of different factors, um, obviously the markets vary around the world, but the one I was in uh, produced some, uh, some great memories and, and moments with those later albums. I think it's also to do with uh, your age is a big factor on what period you go through and your ability to be able to go to like live concerts and to be able to afford to buy merch, stuff that probably I couldn't do in the first 10 years as much being much younger in age. So I got to then grow up and then be able to experience them in that second half. And I think that balanced out with the much more diverse and well-rounded musical um, expression that goes through uh, Welcome and, and Full Moon. Um, I think that's where those two albums hold this decade uh, over the first 10 uh, because of their ability to have branched out and sit back, creatively being able to do what they wanted to do, regardless of what anyone's thought. Awesome. Laurie. Okay, well, um, their sound had really evolved. They really found their sound and... Uh, the music from that time period, but specifically, 
I would say from 92 to 97, that five-year period was timeless. It sounds just as good in 2022. It sounds, it would be just as at home, I think, you know, on any radio station, assuming that radio stations still play music nowadays, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it does not sound dated at all. It sounds contemporary. It sounds uh, uh, current. It's relevant, mm -hmm. perhaps even more relevant. I know, yeah. You're you know, right. um, mm -hmm. uh, Darren mentioned communication earlier, mm. or not communication. Back Darren online. mentioned back online, back online. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that had a very different meaning in 92 than it does now, but it's still spot on. Yeah. So um, it, they've they've not aged. Those songs have not aged. Mm. Mary, thank you. Well, you know, I miss the whole kick hoopla because I wasn't around for it. And when I, at that time period in 89, it was, I was looking for a new bliss. I wanted something else in my life to get into and to enjoy and to love. And I rediscovered in excess and I just threw myself into it. It was so meaningful. It was so important. The music, every single song spoke to me and then I saw them in concert uh, at the Oakland Coliseum uh, during X. It was sold out. I went by myself because nobody would go with me, none of my friends. I said, oh, the heck with it. I'll go by myself. And I just sat there like amazed. Mm -hmm. And I had been to dozens and dozens of concerts in my day. And I had never seen a band like this before, the way they performed. And I was just hooked. And every song every album i just threw myself into i wanted to learn about where they came from you know i love australia anyway and just the whole progression from the beginning of, of their careers up to that point and even further on um it was so meaningful to me it was my life for about 10 years and of course i built this huge collection I wanted to own everything in the world <laughs> about them. And I actually kind of achieved that. And I did. And uh, really, it's, it's besides my career, that's how I spent my time. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it all. And I love their music. I still do. I even cry today when I listen to some of it um, wow. because it just brings back so many memories yeah. and so many important time periods in my life and how they progressed and got better and better mm -hmm. and better until mm -hmm. the tragedy of Michael leaving us. Yeah. Um, so it was an important part of my life and people around me. And I made a lot of close friends that are still friends. So it was very meaningful for me and it continues to be. And then I meet you in Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> and now it continues even more. <laughs> it does. It, it really does. It's, it's 2022. Um, yes. We're making yeah, you remember. It's almost 2023. Well, it's that 22 yeah, again, isn't it? Michael was mm. born on the 22nd, yeah. passed away on the 22nd. Mm -hmm. Here we are in yeah. 2022 and we're all together. Doing it for I, Michael great? and Nexus. It yes. really is. Yeah. It really is. One more month, you know, it'll know. be 25 years 20 since his yeah, yeah. passing. We will honour him. How fast is that going? It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I'm going to say goodbye to you guys and thank you so much for today. I literally probably only got, got in touch with you probably about two hours before coming on. So thank you so much for dropping everything and talking about In Excess on Access All Areas. Thank you. Love it. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. You're welcome. Bye. Hey, this is David from Derby. Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. Well, Blue, that's a wrap. Uh, you know, we've got to put out a poll, I think, aren't we, after this now two weeks where mm-hmm. our audiences out there uh, can listen and uh, I guess over a couple of weeks maybe we can, uh, you know, get people a chance to vote in. Uh, I don't know how long the poll should go for, maybe three or four weeks, I don't know, two weeks or... I reckon a good three weeks because sometimes yeah. it takes a while some for take, some people to listen, listen to in, the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's a good idea. But we can start it this yep. weekend. Mm. Yeah. No it'll be problem. really simple. It'll just be, you know, pick your ear at one or two, you know. Yeah, uh, one, you two. Know, that's what it'll be, it'll be about. Um, and it is strictly the Michael years. Obviously, we do recognise after 97, NXS did have a career. Uh, we will compartmentalise that within sort of a, a series of podcasts and and discussions about that. But we're trying to stick with the Michael years, which is that 20 year period, aren't we? Yeah. And and also we we realise, you know, the, the main years are in the middle. We do know that, but we just mm. want you to sort of speak, please. Just yep. pick an era. Just yep. put yourself in the zones, go listen yep. to the music and then pick your, your era. And I like the fact that over two 10-year blocks, it sort of gives – You've got that first year where you've got, you know, the you know the, the freshman, sophomore type recordings where they're just trying to find their feet in a style. You see them emerge into something that becomes, you know, on the edge of a juggernaut. Uh, then you have sort of the juggernaut years and then you see the plateauing off of maybe commerciality and sales, but maybe artistic freedoms that came with that. So there is really an interesting spectrum where there's sort of roughly five mm-hmm. albums each to to digest and make a, an informed uh, preference towards. So, yeah, uh, yeah we uh, I guess, again, we want to thank everybody for yes. contributing on it, B. Mm, yeah, thank you, everybody that came on. It's been great, actually. It's been fun to actually um, see everybody and talk to each other uh, as well over the last couple of weeks. So, Well, thank it's you. been the ultra fan engagement to more sort of uh, platform fan engagement. Over to you, B. Okay, I'd like to give um, a, a couple of hellos. Uh, hello to someone called Kurt Pengilly. Um, <laughs> hello, mate. <laughs> it's been nice chatting. Um, and uh, also to a really nice guy called Sante D'Orazio. D'Orazio, let's say it properly. Sante D'Orazio, who used to, well, he is. He's a super uh, model photographer and he used to take photos of Michael and Helena. And I've been chatting to him too. So I wonder if we can get Helena on one day. So let's just. Uh, see how that conversation goes and want a big hello to peter brett katie kathy chris l sandy and also fun engagement to gary gary bears yes we will be having you on so thank you for getting in contact via mary wood Want to just mention a little bit about uh, one of our big Twitter uh, replies to last week? He was pretty forthright.
right, you know, with his uh, feelings about the episode. I won't probably name him just here and here on this uh, platform, but I did want to sort of go through a quick little summary of a, of a follow-up t- uh, tweet he sent to me because I guess he's sort of backing up the era to which we are, uh, are talking about, which was that 1987 to 97. I guess he sent a, uh, a tweet to me via direct message. So put down here, look, I'm just like all of us. I love NXS and champion their legacy every day as best I can. I do get protective and defensive when I see or hear negativity. In my opinion, I thought some of the comments in the debate were a little off the mark. It was probably Monday-itis, but hey, I understand you have to content to fill. <laughs> uh, like you said, you're all tied to our opinions, but as long as we have faith in each other and keep the peace, everything will be okay, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he really goes through a lot of really great anecdotes about travelling up north to Mackay in 2001, watching John Stevens. Oh, that's um, a good read that- then. Yeah, and he goes through some really good stuff about Wembley and just some of the stuff there that uh, he enjoyed sort of visiting. And My also, God, it's a book. I know, I know. He goes back to a little bit about the Walkman days. We're having uh, the kit cassette on his 14th birthday and he oh still has that goodness. cassette but not the Walkman. Um, but, yeah, I just want to say a big shout-out to... Uh, Glenn. Uh, Glenn Hoffman. Okay, we'll mention his name because uh, he does really give some insights as to his preferences of the year. But why don't you, Glenn, some really good points there and thank you for listening. Yeah. All right. Now, B, we, we are very, very pumped. It's only uh, – we only get about five five opportunities to do this where we can actually talk to a real bona fide original band member. And uh, you have been busily being away uh, the John Farris interviews. Now, I heard a rumour – this is just a rumour – that you have uh, flicked the uh, slippers of Nick Lornay's uh, uh, little bedtime slippers away, and John Farris's slippers have just slipped under your bed, and you'll be listening to John's vocals in bed with your headphones on. Is that true? Can you confirm or deny? You really, really spin this, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the next two weeks where we're going to be diving deep on John Farris. Uh, over the next sort of two weeks, we're uh, very pumped about the contribution he's made and the information he's given. Uh, so we're going to be cutting that up into two parts. Yeah, and I must admit. I haven't yeah. got over when he called me sweetie. So. Oh, did he? Uh, That's right. Yeah. There you did go. you not hear that? Yeah, right. I've got it on repeat. Bye-bye, okay. sweetie. <laughs> Bye-bye, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, beast made into a 12-inch part of <laughs> All right. But uh, all right, so that's happening the next couple of weeks. Um, also, too, very, very pumped. Uh, it'll be a bit of a tie-in, but uh, we will be sort of talking about one of our auction items over the next two weeks that has a bit of a tie-in with John. So um, tie-in, sorry, pardon the pun. Um <laughs> But it will be very, very exciting to be able to release that probably in week two, I think, B, won't we? We'll probably release mm. what that auction item is going to be. I don't know. We might do week one. I'm too All excited right. to not share. Okay. Yeah, mm. so this could be our best auction item so far or thus far mm. because – Very um, rare. It's rare and mm-hmm. it has lots of squiggly lines and signatures. got lots of squiggly lines on yes. it and it's hint, hint. pristine – Pristine condition. So, so that's that. Um, but today, B, I thought we'd go over that tribute song today, and uh, a song that came up a little bit on our earlier uh, podcast uh, today was uh, well mentioned by a couple of our uh, guest debaters. Uh, but it is a person, one of my personal favourites. But um, we know this particular guy has been a fantastic addition to our community, and he's been very generous with his time and some of the gifts he's donated. And um, just you know, at a drop of a hat, you know, jumps on a on a call or whatever there, and that's uh, Darren Jones. Uh, and it was great hearing from him today. So we thought what we would do uh, would play out with one of his favourite songs, uh, which was Freedom Deep. Uh, a real grower, a real sort of uh, interesting track, as he described on the episode earlier. 
uh, and one that I think over time has become a, a bit of a fan favourite uh, in terms of the rarer deep cuts and things. So um, I guess, Pete, it's going to be Freedom Deep. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from B. See you next week.